Welcome to another episode from Inside Treasures. My name is Fibus and I love to challenge myself and those around me for the purpose of growth. This podcast is about helping you heal, change and grow. By listening to this episode, you will learn how to find true connection with yourself, your loved ones and the world around you. You will learn how to find stillness and tranquility within you. So at the heart of Stoicism, we find the meaning of control. The Stoics were philosophers who were philosophizing about life. One of the great ones was Epictetus. Epictetus said that happiness and freedom begin with a clear understanding of one principle. Some things are within our control and some things are not. It is only after you have faced up to the fundamental rule and learned to distinguish between what you can and can't control that inner tranquility and outer effectiveness become possible. How can you take control of your life? The first time I stumbled upon this idea of control was back in university. I was doing a course and you had a lot of psychological testing and I was told this will help you because you're going to bring up so many different things. So that test was about this thing called locus of control. Now, fancy name, but what does it mean? It means what I picked it said. Do I feel that I have control over something or do I feel that I don't have control over something? That test had a series of questions. And from a scale of one to five, how much control did we feel we had over this? So it would ask about politics. It would ask about the weather. It would ask about the clothes that we wear. So I had a series of questions. And those questions, some of them were really clear, like about the weather. I knew there was no way I can control the weather. So what I realized from that, going back afterwards, we had a review and there were things that I felt I didn't have control. And then the teacher pretty much challenged that. She said, are you sure you don't have any control over that? So it made me think, and it wasn't only one, there were tons of them. What made it clear was that there are things that we perceive as if we don't have control, but actually we do. And then there are things that we don't have control. And we think that we do, like controlling other people, how they behave, what they say to us. When we feel we don't have control, it's very easy for us to blame, to complain, to feel helpless, to be dependent on others. There's so many things that can go wrong for us just because we feel that we don't have any control. Now, why is this concept so important? And how can we use it to make our lives better? One thing to understand and wrap our head around us is results. It's about our expectations. I was in a meeting a few months ago and we were talking about with a client and they were saying a story about an athlete, about an athlete who wanted to win the gold medal. Also, he said, this guy did not have any saying on whether he would get the gold medal or not. And in my mind, I went, what? Of course he has control. Of course he can get the gold medal and he's good. And then it made me think, it made me reflect. And I was like, I was thinking that I've seen this so many times. Yet I'm still perceiving as a default that we have control over certain results. Can we control what we get? Can we say definitively that someone else will give us something like an award? or something will work out in our life. No. What can we control? We can control, for example, this athlete. It was about the training. It was about showing up. 
for us, again, it's about showing up. It's about like doing our preparation. If we have an interview for a job, we can guarantee we're going to get the job. What we can guarantee is that we prepare for that interview. What we can guarantee is that we make the phone calls necessary to show up to that interview. What we can make, what can be with our control is to start early so we can make sure we're on time. Instead of thinking, oh, I was late because the bus was late. And I've done these things. I've done them as well. But it's just like part of life that it's very easy for us to think, but it's not my fault the bus was late. But we have a certain control. And most importantly, about focusing on the process, focusing on our approach. Now, what do I mean by our approach? The kind of intention that we put behind things, the kind of meaning we attach, how we react to things. These we can control. I want you to imagine throwing a stone in a lake and then just observing those ripples opening up, opening up and traveling across until they reach the shore. Now, how far is the shore? Doesn't really matter, but just imagine that. One stone fell in the water and it created ripples. Most of us, the way we respond to that is like, oh no, oh no, oh no, a stone went in, a stone went in. We must take it out, we must take it out. Let's start paddling. And we start paddling and we start throwing more stones. And basically, we create an atmosphere of a water surface that's upset, full of ripples. Instead, if we were just to sit behind, see that stone as it fell in and created the ripples and allow those ripples to be as they were, then we would see that the water, very soon, it returns to its original state. And this is how our mind works as well. We can regain that sense of calmness, that peace. This event happened, the stone fell. It is the way we're behaving, the way we're reacting. Do we have control over the ways we react? The answer is yes, we do. There are times that we might have impulses. There are times that we might rush into conclusions. There are times that we might say things very quickly. But in general, we have control over the way we respond. As to said again, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. How do we react? How do we think? And the kind of meaning we attach to things. What kind of meaning am I adding to this now? I had a thought. I had an emotion. Something happened to me. Am I taking this all the wrong way and twisting it around? Someone said something to me. Am I taking this too personally through my ego? I, did I perhaps misunderstand what was said? Meaning, we make it up. Some of it is like predetermined by our predispositions, by our past. But we still make it up and we can change it. We can reframe a situation. How do we reframe? We ask the basic question, what else could this mean? Is this really true? Can I have a different meaning? Are they perhaps having a bad day? This person said this to me. Would they be having a bad day? Could something bad have happened to them? I remember I went into a cafe again not long ago. The lady looked at me. She came to take my order. I wasn't ready. She looked at me in a, what I perceived to be a funny way. And I got it all personally. And I start twisting all inside and thinking, hmm. That's not good. That's not good. How could she look at me like that? But then I applied these things, this meaning that I was adding to it. And then I observed her. I observed myself and then I observed her. I could tell that she was tired. And I started to think of different meanings I could add to that situation. It was the end of the day. Perhaps it had a really bad day. Perhaps there were a lot of people. 
or demanding things from her that she couldn't, you know, customers, we can be funny species. We can ask of all sorts of things. Then I took it even a step further. I started to think, maybe someone died in your family. I know it gets like it can get crazy, but which one is more crazy? The fact that she looked at me in a funny way or that I perceived it that way or the fact that I'm thinking that maybe she's having a bad day or someone died? That gave birth to compassion for me. It gave birth to compassion towards her. And then when she came back, I was more open towards her. I was happy. I was more pleased with myself and with her because I would actually connect and relate with her, although I didn't even know her. And I removed myself from that situation of being there, being stuck, having a meaning that doesn't make sense, and shifting that meaning around. I could never have changed the way she looked at me. And maybe she didn't look at me in a bad way. It maybe just reminded me of something, of someone that looked at me like that in the past. See, our subconscious comes in. Our mind is always trying to make sense of what's going on around us. And one of the ways it makes sense is that we attach meaning to things. But we can challenge that meaning. We can change it. We can shift it. And the new meaning, it doesn't mean that it has to be true. Because a lot of this is coming there. It's just like, but this is not true, so why should I change it? Like, she, she, she really did say something bad to me, or she did, did really look at me that way. So why should I let them be and let them go? It's not about that. The minute you begin to shift the meaning and you're willing to go into that, you will see that you soften up. Your ego softens up. As long as you're willing to go there with it and see it from a different angle, give it a twist, sit outside of yourself, outside of the situation, taking a third-person perspective. And yeah, it doesn't have to be true, but be willing to go in it. What we find is that through this process of changing the meaning, we regain control. Instead of feeling helpless and powerless about everything that happened to us that was so terrible, we actually change the meaning. And that way, we become more lighthearted. Life becomes more joyful. The biggest thing about control is controlling ourselves versus controlling others. The one thing we all need to forget, and it comes through the ego, is controlling others, having expectations about others, and sometimes their expectations we don't even have for ourselves, and that everyone has to match those expectations, everyone has to walk in line, and they have to make sure they behave the way we want them to behave, even if we never told them so. You can see how this is unrealistic, highs toxic, highs manipulative. This is the ego showing up, and it harms our relationships. What can we do? We're judging, we're expecting. What's the opposite of that that comes from mindfulness as well? Accepting, non-judgment. Accepting things as they are. And that is not about other people, it's also about ourselves. Can I accept myself as I am, right here, right now? So let's start with controlling ourselves. Let's start with controlling our emotions and thoughts. Even if it's as a fundamental belief, an ideal, what we strive to get to. Ancient Greek philosophy was a lot about ideals. It was about guidelines. It was about principles that we can all follow or strive to follow. So it comes down to emotions and thoughts. Can I control them? Well, maybe I can control a lot of them. Some of them, they creep up and I'm not even sure where they're coming from. But if we begin with that belief, even when we don't always get it to happen, when we have this on the back of our minds, 
There will be times we fail. So what? We accept that again. We make space for that to happen. We allow it to happen. And we stand firm behind it. And the meaning we can add to this is that we're learning. We're still learning. And that's completely fine. One more concept from psychology. The concept of self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is another jargon word. What does it mean? It's about a person's belief that we can accomplish a particular activity. Why do we need that belief that we can do something? Because when we lack that belief, then it's very easy to understand and see that if we lack the belief, we lack the control. How can I control something that I don't believe in? It becomes very difficult. We become passive. We become helpless. After all, there's nothing I can do, right? What can you do? Do we think we lack control because we lack belief? We lack confidence? But ask yourself to shift this around again. What can I control? I can control my intentions. I can control my approach. You see, a lot of what we've been talking about through this episode, it's about finding the things that we can control. And we said the things that we can to accept. But we need to be certain that the things that we say that we can't, we truly can't. And the things that we think that we can, but we can't. We need to uncover that as well. And we have to be honest with ourselves. And it takes work. And it takes self-reflection. Something we could all do more of. More and more and more. An active conversation with ourselves. We're coming back into being aware, back to understanding what is going on, what is happening. We can then leverage and work on our belief about our ability to accomplish things and to respond. This is where self-efficacy comes. It's about being capable, and we all are. Just to summarize the things we talked about, Focusing on ourselves and not others. Practicing acceptance and non-judgment. Changing the meaning of things. And taking responsibility of how we react, of how we feel. Taking responsibility of the things that we can control. Because when we take responsibility, that is the moment when we become responsible for our own inner world that we regain control. When it's Mary's fault, when it's our manager's fault, we don't have control. When we're blaming, when we're passive, when we're helpless, we don't have control. So can I gain, can I regain control of this circumstance? Can I change its meaning? Can I change the way I react? Can I, what can I change? I'm already feeling responsible about it. It means I'm taking control. And we all need to take control and take hold of, of our inner world. And it's something we're constantly failing at. And it's something we constantly can learn from. What I want you to think, how is this control thing showing up in your life? A little hint, it shows up everywhere. It's in relationships with ourselves, with others, and the world's circumstances, the things that are happening to us. But what can you do to be more sensitive? How can you uncover those things that you can control? How can you uncover those things that you can control? On the things that you feel you have no control, but actually you have control. How can you overcome that lie, that deception that yourself is telling you, well, there's nothing I can do. You better challenge every single thing that you feel you have no control over. Find the variables, no matter how small, and then exert. Exert that control, whether that's the meaning or something that you can do. But first we have to become aware. 
then we can do something, exert a little bit of control. We don't have to be control freaks. This is about us controlling how we feel. This is about us controlling what we think. Assert this new truth that you have the ability to respond and to control the things that you are in control. Be responsible for your inner world as it is within your reach and control. Lastly, accept the things you can't control. Just accept them. Challenge it first. Is it true that I can't control this? Is this something that I'm missing out? But then accept it. And that is exercising control because you're getting hold of how you react to these things that you can't control. We're practicing non-judgment and acceptance. When we begin to accept things, we open up. We blossom. We create room for ourselves and others to just be. Just be as we are. Yes, with our vices, with our faults, with our fallacies. The minute we do that, those things begin to diminish. We stop resisting. We stop fighting. We let the ripples spread and tranquility to get hold of again. We let go. And as we soften our grip, the sand falls effortlessly without struggle, completely at ease like a candle, dripping its wax ever so softly, ever so gently. The best years of your life are the ones in which you decide your problems are your own. You do not blame them on your mother, the ecology, or the president. You realize that you control your own destiny. Albert Ellis. Please share this podcast with anyone you think may benefit. Until next time, let peace guide your life, love guide your heart, and reason guide your thoughts. Thank you.